Welcome back to the So To Speak podcast. I'm your host, Christy Mandor, and today we are closing out the special series, Create Like a Mother, that started way back when, it seems like forever, even though it was the beginning of October. Doesn't it seem like it's been a year, like the last few months? (laughs) I mean, is it just me, or does it seem like we went through an entire year since October 1st? Anyway, the timing of that special series was so divinely timed. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to each of the wonderful guests, please go back starting on October 1st. That was the first one with Allie Ryan of Kindful Art. And each person brings such a fantastic perspective and their story on what it means to them to be creative and how it is so imperative as parents for us to really strengthen and honor and cherish and keep sacred creativity in whatever that looks like to you, even if you don't consider yourself a creative. Chances are, if you listen to this consistently, you're sensitive. You might even be an empath. And they give such wonderful stories and insight into how you can look at that as a superpower instead of trying to toughen up. Because look where we are with trying to toughen up. We're in a mental health crisis, for God's sake. So anyway, um, (laughs) all of that being said, I am closing out Create Like a Mother today with me, with being interviewed by my dearest friend for over two decades, Casey Seitz Brown. Casey is an incredible human being who hails from Texas, is based in Austin, and Casey and I have been good friends for such a long time. And we really met at such the perfect time, like those friends who you meet and it's like, you are a kindred spirit, no questions asked. I feel like I've known you for 50,000 years. And we met in New York City when Casey was in the dance world, which she still is. And when I was in the acting and writing world, which I still am in a different way. And we've just been each other's biggest supporters and mutual inspiration for as long as I can remember. So it's so fitting that a couple months ago, Casey texted me and said, hey, I'm doing a doctorate in dance at Columbia University, and I need to interview someone who teaches adults. Do you want to be my person? And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So that's what this is. You're going to be a fly in the wall to our conversation. And I talk about everything from how So to Speak came to be, And we also dive into my perspective on what wonderful, needed leadership is and how we need it more than ever and what can go into that. And also, really, there are so many gems throughout this that I hope you are able to find ways to incorporate into your life in some way or another. So be sure as always to let me know. You can throw it in the rating and review at the end of the episode, which is super helpful because it helps other people find the podcast who need it most. But also totally DM me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and let me know what did you love about the episode? What do you want to see more of? What questions do you have on emotional intelligence within leadership. And specifically, what I'm learning more and more is really how to be a leader when you are a heart-centered, high-achieving empath. Because (laughs) the end of the day, if you're a big feeler, it can be incredibly difficult to feel like you can rise up and lead 
when really we need you. We need that type of leadership. And so I have so many different strategies on how you can use your empathy and your sensitivity as a superpower instead of feeling like it is an absolute exhausting detriment. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the wonderful Casey Seitz-Brown. Welcome to the So To Speak podcast. I'm Christy Mandor, and I'm so glad you found your way here. As an energy leadership and mindset coach, I work with high achieving leaders and entrepreneurs to support them in getting out of their heads and back into doing the meaningful work that lights them up. In this podcast, you're going to be hearing conversations with leaders, creatives, entrepreneurs, trailblazers, and change makers who share their stories and strategies that help them to continue on when the inevitable mental quicksand comes to take them down. My hope is that by listening in on each episode, you leave feeling less alone and more relieved, reset, and reconnected with yourself and a possible shift in perspective that supports you in reigniting your passion and unwavering dedication to doing the work you came here to do. I'm glad you're here. Chances are, if you are of the human race, you've had the desire to write a book. And chances also are high that the idea left your mind as soon as it arrived. You're so not alone. Upwards of 80% of Americans say that they want to write a book. And those who actually start, guess how many see it through to completion? 3%. 3% actually see it through and only 1% see it published. There are many reasons for this. One of which is that they didn't have the right support system to guide them through every step of the way. Lucky for you, our friends over at Scripter Publishing Group have given So To Speak listeners $250 off their From Polished to Print package. This is the golden enchilada of book writing to help you take your dream and see it published. The link to cash in there is in the show notes below. And if you're wondering where to even start, go ahead and give Kelly a call. She's happy to guide you towards the best direction to take. And you can book that call over at scripterpublishinggroup.com. And while you're there, be sure to take a look at their latest offering of a writing retreat in Ireland, one of the most beautiful countries in the world, so I hear, June 23rd to the 29th, 2024. Again, all of that can be found down in the show notes below. Happy, happy writing. So this is my interview. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. All right. So this is Christy Mandor, a good friend of mine. We've been friends for what, like 20 over years? 20, over 20 years. Yeah. 23. So 22 years. That's insane. It feels just like three. Time flies. So, time flies. So uh Christy and I worked together at a restaurant. We met um weighing tables and bartending and we totally just connected um she through her love of theater and my love of dance and our love of humanity and uh yeah we just um we've just stayed friends ever since so do you want to talk a little bit more about what so to speak is I would love to uh yes yeah and I love the that idea of us flashing back over 
two decades to New York City and just being so, I just want to add in, like, I felt like I met my match. Like I didn't have to lock down how excited I would get about an idea about an acting class. Like when I saw you on the schedule, I was like, because this was before texting I think yeah texting is just becoming a thing not really texting each other so like I would have to look at the schedule to connect to talk on the phone but um so that's amazing but yeah so so to speak is uh yeah it's it's hard to put it into a pocket right so it's a company for sure but it really is on a mission to encourage people to rehumanize themselves, especially in the world of AI. And it doesn't mean one is better than the other. It's just how can we really allow our humanness to hold the reins Mm -hmm. and allow AI to be the horse, so to speak. Not intended, whatever it is. But it started out as a marketing class. It was a marketing class at our local incubator for small businesses and entrepreneurs. It's like a local WeWork. And it was during the time of Simon Sinek, if anybody is familiar who's listening in about Simon Sinek, he is really into the business world of how can we allow people to reach their full potential. And so he was really focused on the golden circle. His TED talk was huge. His book, Start With Why, was huge. It's not about what we do, it's why we do what we do. And so I was really interested and curious and passionate about how can we allow brands to so plant what they're speaking to the audience they're speaking to? Okay. So that's where it started. Okay. And, and like any business, it had so many iterations and it just, I followed it and it was bumpy for sure, but it led into like public speaking and doing that for a while as the primary focus and, and speaking to leaders on how they can enhance their public speaking so that they could get over their nerves and also be more engaging with the audience. And now it's become a mental wellness, actionable way where how can we incorporate different mental wellness strategies in action versus just keeping them in our head? It doesn't help. So I really pride myself on being able to work with high achieving overthinkers mm-hmm. who have a tendency to be very heart centered. I feel mm-hmm. the majority of overthinkers are very heart-centered. We've just been conditioned or guarded to keep all of our energy in our mind out of many different reasons. And so I work with them in a way of like recalibrating the energy to move through and out their heart because those are the people who really create such an impact and influence in the world. So that's like the main focus. It's energy leadership coaching, it's visibility coaching, and it's workshops, and it's the podcast, the So To Speak podcast. Great. So that, that's it. That's our interview. Thank you so <laughs> that's much. That's a wrap folks. Good night. And good luck. <laughs> so that was one of my first questions. What led you to this work, a specific event or people um, have a role in this? And you pretty much answered that. Uh, it started with a, you were taking a marketing class. I would know. I, I held it. You so help for local entrepreneurs. Okay. And I was, I'm friends with the director of Thinkubator. His name's Ryan Miller. And he and I were talking and to be honest, I don't even remember how it came to be, but it basically was like, this is something that I can offer. This is what's needed. 
not that necessarily this is what's needed, even though it is, but it was more of a question of like, what's needed for entrepreneurs? Uh-huh. And it was really, how can you feel? It, it did come back to how can you feel less afraid of being visible? And really it comes down to when you can get really clear on what your why is, nobody can stop you. Like when you're so rooted and dropped into what your purpose and passion is, nobody can stop you because your energy is now going out versus when we think about like, oh my God, I'm in front of a million people or I'm pitching to investors or to a client or I'm on the stage or whatever it is, we can feel like all the energy is coming towards us. So my, to this day, my perspective on that is how can we switch it so that our energy goes out in a generous way while being rooted versus feeling like it's coming towards us. That's great. I love it. So the uh, next question was basically, who are your adult students? Um, And you basically answered that. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit more about how you like recruit the students who's, who's interested in participating in your work? Sure. And that changed too. You know, at first it started with, it was entrepreneurs from the beginning and it's funny, it's come full circle. So it was entrepreneurs. And then to be honest, I was like, well, I got to make some money and you got to get contracts. You can't just do one-off workshops. It's not going to happen. Right. So getting contracts and companies with leaders who are even a sliver of willingness and interest to wake up a little bit more, to to be more conscious in how they're leading. And really going back to transformational leadership, this idea of really truly either already get it or are willing to get the importance of true leaders create leaders. Mm. They, it's more of a leveled thing. It's not this traditional hierarchy of power over. It's it's this more horizontal, circular, expansive idea of power of like, let's share this influence versus I have power and now I'm scared and threatened by you to rise up. So I'm going to act like I'm leading you, but really I'm going to keep you down mm. in many different ways. And so- it was really working and I had a wonderful experience and I'm still working with a local insurance company whose leader was so open to it and really understood it and believed it. And I feel was incredibly humble to go. I know what my, he, I mean, in my mind, this isn't necessarily verbally what he said, but it was like, I know my strengths and this isn't one of my strengths. So I want to bring you in because the intention is I care about the people that I work with. And I want them to thrive. So that's all I need. I just need a humble leader who's like, I don't know how to do this. And I want to be able to give this to the people that I work with. And I'm willing to also jump in with them as uncomfortable as it may be. Other leaders will come in, like they'll be drawn in who get it, who are like, I want that. And so one thing I noticed when you're asking like, how do I reach out to them? I do a ton of content. You know that even following on Instagram. I, I do so much content. And I love that because I'm a creative at heart. So I love the writing. I love being on camera because I've been able to shift my own perspective of your visibility is about who you're reaching out to. It's not about you. And sometimes it's entertaining and fun, but a lot of times there is an intention of speaking to one person or to a group of people. And there is this sense of, which is 
truly really heartbreaking is the sense of high achievers who feel like they've met all of the societal metrics, like they've checked them all, yet they still feel like a hollowness inside and they're really sad about it. And they're usually middle-aged and they're like us and they're like, but I did everything I was supposed to do to reach this pinnacle of fulfillment and I still feel hollow. And yeah. it's like, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take that into my next question. Yeah. So, um, you've been referring to it as transfer transformative leadership. Um, and we're, we're looking at it in terms of transformative learning, which you're doing. Uh, so the core elements have been listed at, of, of fostering transformational learning as considering, so thinking about this, your work as I go through these, um, considering individuals' expectations, uh, promoting individual reflection, engaging in dialogue, creating a holistic orientation, being aware of context. I feel like you just covered all of this and what you were talking about and establishing authentic relationships. So would you want to jump off of any of those um, and give an example? Like, do you agree that's what you're doing in your work? I'm supporting it for sure. Like I'm encouraging that. And I feel, I feel like what you just said is really the ideal leader. It's someone right. who understands that the responsibility that they have is for all, mm -hmm. you know, there's, cause there's many different types of leaders, but two that are coming to mind is the leader who's, who I'm, I work with, who puts all this pressure on themselves that they have to do it all on their own. And there's this overwhelm that they need to support everybody and they need to be there for everybody. And they need to constantly be, I, my door is open 24 seven, you know, like, and I, I quote it because there's a difference between being dropped in invisible versus feeling like I need to be visible all the time. They need to know that they can come to me out of fear, which I consider like a lower level energy. Like if I'm not visible all the time, they're going to feel fill in the blank. Mm. And there's another type of leader who there's, like I said, there's many, but another that's like, I've moved up to the top of VP or executive or whatever C-suite. And now I either get to lay back or, and, or I get to tell you what to do. And I've earned this spot. And so it's, it's a very antiquated way of leadership, which I do feel like we're moving out of, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, but I feel like everything you just said is what the, the, I consider the best leaders are really, even if they didn't pillar it, like you did, you know, they get it, they understand it and they're willing to be humble mm -hmm. and realize I'm human and I might not be able to hit all of those, but they're not about the checklist. It's not like, did I do this? Did I, did I, you know, DEI was a big thing. Empathy was a big thing over the past few years. It's like this checklist. It's like, no, they just know that that's 
it's not a checklist. It's just what you literally do every single day. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Um, so something that you mentioned, um, I think in one of your, 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 um, like Instagram posts, mm -hmm. or I read it, um, you talk about how you, uh, encourage or foster productive reflection. And, um, so this is something similar to what we've been talking in class and, um, Shown refers to a couple of different kinds of, of reflection on action or a reflection in action. Um, and it sounds like you were kind of moving into that, talking a little bit about reflection. Do you do you want me to go into the difference between re reflection on action or in action or? Yes, please. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so reflection. <laughs> on action is reflecting on experience that you've already had that I got. Yeah. The inaction is interesting. What's that about? So reflecting on your actions as you're doing them and considering issues like best practices throughout the, so is it like self it's self-awareness? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like real-time self-awareness, like while yeah. you're doing it, being aware of your intention of uh -huh. what you're doing in that moment, if I'm sure. hearing you right. Yeah. Yeah. So that to me, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But put words in my mouth. <laughs> that's what I, that's what productive reflection sounds like to me. Um, but do you want to go in a little deeper on what you mean with production. Yeah. So tell, I would love to know though, what, when you're saying like, that's what production reflect productive reflection means to me. What does it, what does it mean to you? What is, uh, reflecting during the process, mm. uh, rather than after. I think it's a yes. And I feel like it's both. Okay. Um, oftentimes people, what I've noticed is there can be people who either are naturally self-aware. Self-awareness can be learned, right? So they can be naturally self-aware and be in that space where they're intentional and they're very purpose-driven of like what they're doing. And, you know, it's a delicate dance between being self-conscious and being self-aware. And again, that's more somatic for you to internally sense when you're feeling self-aware, which is a bit of a cleaner feel than self-conscious is more of a, I, I feel like it's more of like a concave internal feeling mm -hmm. when we were talking before about visibility, like energy going out or coming in. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes though, what I found is that a lot of people really benefit from the reflecting on because they begin to understand and discern the difference between reflection and rumination. So reflection and rumination, many people may know already, but still I'll share anyway, is rumination is like spinning your wheels. It's staring the hole at 3am in the ceiling. Like, why didn't I say that? Or what can I do about this? Or, oh, I wish I handled that differently. And it's just spinning. Whereas reflection is more action oriented. So one of my favorite exercises, because I lean so much towards getting clear 
I can, I can be so creatively spirally in my language. And I really strive to just give people really clear, simple tools, because if you're an overthinker, you just need something to hold on to. You don't need anything. And it's like self-awareness. I always look at it like you're in open water and you get on the raft with self-awareness and then you're like, okay, great. Now what? <laughs> like, I got on the raft, but now what am I supposed to do? So this is one of the now what's, and it's three words. It's keep, change, leave. Okay. So I'll say to people, so you're in a situation and say that you were in a conversation with a colleague or a client, and you just felt like you put your foot in your mouth in some way, or you didn't speak up when you should have. It's usually you either spoke up too much or you didn't speak up enough usually. And it's, what would you keep? Mm -hmm. And the reason I start there is because it's so important to realize there is something that you brought of value to that experience that matters. So start there to ground yourself so that you don't fall into the mental quicksand of like, oh, I brought nothing to this. And what, how could I do that again? You can easily fall into that shame circle and spiral, right? So it's, what would I keep? Like, what is something that I'm really proud of? And it could be that I showed up. It could be that it doesn't matter. It could be simple. It could be, I put myself out there and I may have talked in tongues, but I, at least I accepted the keynote and I spoke or I raised my hand and I might not have made sense with my question, but I was in front of the board and I still said something. So that's the key. The change is what is one thing that you would change out of the situation, which is really connected to the leave. Okay. So when you, when you say like, what would I leave? It's like one thing I would leave. It, it could be the rumination. It could be the, um, self-doubt. Usually it's something internal. It could be, I would leave the, it could even be like, I would leave the fact that I like jumped in so quickly. If I'm really honest with myself, it would have helped if I slowed down a little bit. I don't need to prove myself as much as I think I do. Then you go to change. Okay. So going forward, what would you change? So it's almost like a dress rehearsal for the next experience. So then you can move into the reflection in because you've had a moment to chill. So a lot of times when I'm in sessions with clients, I'm like, you could have a goal. Like I have some clients who are very goal oriented. Like this is what I hired you for. And it's usually the people that pay out of pocket whose company is not paying for it. Obviously they have more invested it, it differently. And the ones who, whose company is paying for it, they may say, I don't know what to bring. I don't know what to focus on right now. And so I say to them, like, if this is an hour, a couple of times a month that you finally get to chill out and pause for a, a minute and reflect back. And we do one big full hour on keep change, leave job well done by you to be able to then implement it. And then the next session will say, how did it go? What did you do? What did you notice? Nice. Well, I did notice, but I didn't change anything. Okay. Well, do you want to talk about that? Like, let's talk about that because you noticed it in the previous session. What was the gap that actually had you in real time apply what you learned? So it's, it's both reflection in and reflection on. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we talked a lot in my last class, especially a lot about, um, reflecting and different ways to reflect. There's something called, have you heard of the after action review? No. Um, it was started by the army and, um, and right now I don't have, it's, I think three very simple questions. 
Um, but it's basically what worked, what didn't work. It sounds a lot like keep, change, leave to me. Um, and then there's, um, I don't know, he was just talking about it in class with us. Like, how how would you do this in your work? Um, and like one woman is a nurse. And so she was talking about how they usually do a debrief. Um, I was thinking of it in terms of production, like post-production meetings. <laughs> what would you keep? What would you change? What would you leave? Uh, so yeah, that's nice. That's basically um, circles back to, you know, how would you be, how that answers my productive reflection question is what I am trying to say. Well, and I want to add on to that because it, you're making me think of right away about psychological safety, which I don't know if you guys talk about in your course, but it's something that's really hot in the corporate world and the business world in general. Amy Edmondson is someone who I believe, I don't know if she, if she originated the term, but she's like deep in the work. She's very much associated with it the same way Daniel Goleman's associated with emotional intelligence and Kristen Neff is associated with self-compassion. Like there's one person that's usually really connected. And all I can think of is like, it's great to have a coach come in for sure. And imagine how different the business world would be if at the top of each departmental meeting or a management or executive team meeting, the head poncho, whoever it would be is like, all right, this is our ritual. This is our norm. Keep change, leave just like the army. Because it really is like, I think of the army and I go extreme to lives being saved. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if you, and, and I, and I really do mean this, I don't mean to get so serious about it, but it really is comparable in the sense that people are mental health. There is a crisis. There's a loneliness epidemic. There's a crisis. People are burning out. They're getting stressed beyond anything that anybody is really capable of holding. And if we allowed this space for people on a normal, regular basis, instead of just like running through the agenda and the updates to go, okay, keep change, leave. What would you keep change, leave? You have to truly have a psychological safety, which is feeling like you can voice who, what you want to voice without feeling that you're going to get any sort of ridicule back or any sort of you know, the meeting after the meeting, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're all there together, nodding our head. And then Casey and Christy leave and we're like, you're Sean in the meeting. That was, <laughs> I mean, it's just so yeah. awful and it just creates so much toxicity and discord. So I feel like right away, I thought of psychological safety when you yeah. said, yeah. Um, you talking about this. So upcoming in our next class, we've been um, learning about something called learning organizations. And um, somebody who is really big in, um, in the, with the idea of learning organizations is Jack Welch, mm -hmm. who is like the CEO of- was he uh, GE? GE, yeah, yeah. Um, and so 
they were talking about how important it is for organizations to keep learning and um, getting together, generating ideas, responding to new knowledge and reflecting on what they've already learned. Um, and again, when I read about that or heard about it, I thought this sounds a lot like the after action report, um, but something they talked about. So we had to watch this interview and something they talked about in the interview is feeling safe to be able to share your ideas and, um, you know, basically maybe have a healthy debate and, you know, talk about things that didn't work and, and the leader needs to be supportive and not, you know, defensive. Um, and everyone needs to be open to the ideas. So, yeah, that's what yeah, it's right on Ray Dalio is someone who he wrote, I want to say he wrote the book called principles or principle. He's big on this idea of bring it all to the table, like bring it all. And there's one, there's one thing to say it. And there's another thing to be able to hold the space, hold the space is a big term in coaching and in therapy. It's, it's energetically holding a space for someone to feel safe. And we can sense, I always say we're bloodhounds for bullshit. Like we can sense when someone's saying like, bring it all to the table. Yet when we do, there's this cognitive dissonance of like, you told me to bring it all to the table and everything about you is saying, do not bring it to the table. Like take it away from the table, <laughs> throw it out the window. <laughs> so I feel like you said something that is so huge. The idea of safe, it's such a beautiful word because, and that's something I've leaned much more into with work mm. is especially with overthinkers is to feel safe in your body so that you can read your system to sense and to slow it down and to not feel that if you slow it down, that you're going to fly into fight or flight and get flooded with adrenaline and cortisol and want to, you know, freeze, fight, flee, or fawn, which is one that's not often talked about the people pleasing, like, well, I'm going to fawn. I'm going to just make sure everybody feels okay and compliment and okay. Everybody's good. Now we're okay. But the more you can root yourself in your body, you have more control over the reins of what you offer or what you don't. And not from a place of fear, more from a place of self-preservation and self-respect. So there's this big sense of self-leadership that comes from really knowing yourself intimately and under and seeing yourself and all the parts, which is where I bring in the creativity piece which is very distinct. It's very specific. Some people are into it. Some people aren't more people are than not because we're all creative beings. It doesn't matter if you're in dance or acting or writing, we're all creative beings. And there's this sense that I bring in of, there is a part of you that felt rejected. There's a part of you that felt uncomfortable. There's a part of you that felt scared. It's not your whole being. So, if, so We'll, we'll literally extract those parts and create like a character profile for yeah. that so that they can go, oh, that was fearful Frankie, or that was anxious Annie. And they can see that part and they have so much more self-compassion for themselves in that moment because they're seeing it as a part of them versus their entire self. 
So when they're in a meeting, when they're in a pitch, when they're wherever, there's such a, there's so much more of like a authentic sense of presence because whatever we're afraid of being rejected is what we're rejecting in ourselves. So if we're afraid of someone not loving our scattered creative sense, it's because we're like dismissing that part, like keep it down, like lock it down. You're going to look like a nut job. And if we can just go, that's so fun. That part of you is so fun. Probably not the best for a client pitch, but let's bring in this part of you. That's like fierce and focused and can like own a room. And, and I always say, bring your inner child to work day, like take that inner kid. And I, I will, even if I'm speaking in rooms, I'll tell the people I'm like, so one of the first tips I'm going to give you is bring your inner child to work day. And I'll tell you right now, my inner child is right under table five and she's hanging out and she's on her belly and she's looking at me with these wide bright brown eyes. And she's so psyched to see me in action. And that part of us then feel seen. So now I'm with everybody. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And I, as you were talking about that, I went back to the part in my notes where I was talking about fostering or the core elements of fostering transformative learning. And I felt, I mean, again, so you're engaging in a dialogue, promoting individual reflection. Um, I really feel like you were talking about creating a holistic orientation. 100%. Yeah. And then I, I was just thinking, ooh, and authentic relationships. And as I was reading that, you said the word authentic. <laughs> I mean, after 20 plus years of friendship, isn't that just how it's going to go? And it's funny, you, you say holistic. And what, I, what it makes me think of too is that idea of whole stands out to me. Yeah. And it's that homophone, which I learned from my children. I forgot that there was such a word as homophone. Ah. It's like one word that has two different meanings, you know? So like whole H-O-L-E versus W-H-O-L-E. Mm -hmm. When we feel whole, it's because we've seen all of our parts. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we're going to feel like we have literally a hole in us mm. because we haven't fit all of our parts in there. Right. I was just talking to someone today about whenever I write a book, I feel like it's going to be called pull up a chair because the, the highest self of us is like, pull up a chair. It doesn't matter what part of you is like totally off the rails, feeling so rejected or so reckless or so perfectionistic or so shameful the highest part of us that every single one of us has is pull up a chair. Here's some warm bread, like sit down, share with me, tell me what you got. Mm. There's nothing you can say that's going to make me run out the door. It gets me so emotional because there, there's not one human being who doesn't go through that feeling of I'm not, I'm not doing enough. It's a huge repetitive mm -hmm. and the you know, with the people, especially leaders as responsibility mounts, there's this pressure of I'm never doing enough. I'm never doing enough for my family or for my wife or for my husband or for my kids or for the people I serve. Or, and it's just, I just see like a shell of a human and I'm just sitting there going, 
what did we create? Like, what are we, this is all of us creating it. It's not just, you know, it, it turns into almost a, this bizarre competition. It used to be like busy as a badge thing. And now it's like, you think you're hard on yourself. I'm going to top you. I'm harder on myself than I'm harder. on You think you're hard on yourself. I'm so hard on myself. I didn't sleep last night. Like I almost wrote, and I might at some point wrote a scene where like two guys are at a board room breakfast, you know, they have like all the bagels and stuff. And before the meeting starts, one of them's like, I was so, you know, really looking forward to being at this meeting and pitching to this client. And I just did not sleep. I think I got like four hours of sleep last night. And the next guy's like, oh my gosh, I totally get it. I think I got three hours of sleep. And the other guy's like, you know, come to think of it. I think I got like one hour of sleep. The other guy's like, you know, if I actually think about it, I don't think I slept at all. And it's this stupid, ridiculous, <laughs> like I'm going to show how dedicated I am by how much I don't care about myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's so bananas. Yeah. It's so off the rails. And the one overarching that I consistently do, no matter who the client is, is the one point in them that is consistently being button pushed by themselves. I was like, all right, let's redefine what that is. So if you feel like you're never doing enough, let's redefine what enough even is because enough according to who? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's a big one. That's yeah. That's really important to think about, to reflect on. And reflect in. (laughs) (laughs) Reflect in and on. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, and you've brought this in. um, So we, as I mentioned earlier, we connected through our love of theater and dance. I was going to ask, but I feel like you answered this. Do you use theater improvisation work in your current coaching? That would be a a hard yes. Yeah, I do. I, so I use improv and workshops consistently and because here's the deal. Creativity is play. And so Dr. Stuart Brown, who wrote the book play, he also created, he might've co-created, but he was one of the founders of the museum of play, which happens to be in Rochester, New York, just a few hours away from where I am coined the brilliant and devastating equally quote of the opposite of play is not work. It's depression. Can I still say mic drop or is that like, so 2016? I'm going to say mic drop. (laughs) Wow. Right? And so most high achievers have a tendency to feel like they need to earn their play. They need to earn their joy. They need to earn it. And what I've noticed is that it's never earnable. It's never earnable. Like there's no... First of all, it's not, it's our right to just find joy and it's our duty to find joy. It's not like it's just going to happen. We have to make it happen. It's not as difficult. It's one of those things like it, you know, in plain sight, it's right there. We just are, have a certain lens on, but um, yeah, there's a tendency to feel like once I do X, Y, Z and it never ends, it's an ongoing alphabet. 
then I will earn the right to joy. And I'm not even talking about a vacation because let's be honest, any high achievers know that when they're on vacation, it's very planned or it's like, you know, I'm not a major planner on vacation. I like to go by, I, I don't love to super lounge. I'll do that a little bit, but I like to be adventurous. Like, what are we going to do and be excited about doing something? But we're all very into the doing and it takes me like a day or two to fully get into vacation mode. And then there's still that amped up feeling of like buzzing of like either coming down from being on, 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 or that stress of what's on the other side of vacation. Cause I took the vacation, but now I have an <laughs> and there's never real. So it's really this idea of how can you incorporate it every day? Even if it's like five minutes even if it's putting certain music on that you haven't listened to since seventh grade in the kitchen and just get excited about that or watch, uh, for whatever reason, growing pains is in my mind because I talked to my sister about it today, but like, I loved growing pains when I was a kid. So like some show you loved when you were a kid and just watch like a 10 minute YouTube clip of it, or, and that might give you enough to get through. And then you might find different senses of joy that are totally off the screen, you know? But the reason I say that going back to your question is play is the way play is what creates a sense of connection with ourselves and with other people. It's vulnerable and not in like the buzzy word vulnerability. It's more, it's just inherently vulnerable. Like you're putting yourself out there and you're being goofy inevitably and you're just there. And it's like, that's when people actually start trusting each other more. So I'll do different exercises at the top of a workshop, or I'll end it with an exercise as well that allows people to just shed the titles and see each person as a human being. And then when we're in one-on-ones, we might do some improv, but a lot of times too, we do, we'll do role play or we'll create characters out of personifying emotions, like I mentioned before, and there is a shift. Like I see, I, I can literally see a, not just a light, like the proverbial light bulb go on. I can see light in the person and it's like, oh, like I can see them brighter. And so I mm. am so hugely passionate about that being a part of any sort of leadership, anything. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's great. I was always curious. I always wanted to hear more about how you were able to bring in your theater, whether it's acting or improvisation or writing. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the other thing I'll say too, is with public speaking, there are so many acting exercises that it's a no brainer with public speaking. It's just so, it's just, I mean, when you're public speaking, you're performing, you might, you're not playing it. You might be kind of playing a character in a way because you're not going to be the same person you would be at the dinner table, most likely, but it's still part of you. It's not like you're playing someone totally different than who you are. So tapping into that and bringing in some acting exercises, the best actors, whether you think of Laura Dern or Daniel Day-Lewis or Meryl Streep or whoever it is. You love them because they're being so real because they are not focused on being the best actor. Because if they were, 
it would totally take away from the performance. You'd be like, I don't even, I, I only see Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't see his character, mm-hmm. but he's so focused on the other person. He's so immersed in what he's doing, but he's also, or I should say who he's being, but he's, his energy is so focused out. He's so intentional. And that's like the key thing with acting. It's like, what is your intention? Mm-hmm. Why are you in the room? Why did you open the refrigerator? What do you really want? Like everything they're like subtext is so huge. So when you're giving your speech or you're giving your interview or your pitch, the subtext is the energy. It's the intention underneath. And if you're making it about you, everybody can feel it. And some people can feel it more if they're more energetically inclined. Everybody can smell it though. They're kind of like, there's something just not on with what's going on a job interview. I always bring up too you know, Mm -hmm. like, what is that? So it comes in, in so many different ways for sure. Where have you been all my life? (laughs) I love you. (laughs) We're still going to work together one day. I feel it. Yeah. That's, um, going to happen. Be my last question. Do you have any, I know we keep talking about wanting to collaborate. Do you How do you see our collaboration? Well, I feel like we talked about it last time I was in Austin, Mm -hmm. this idea of personifying emotions and in creating like this performative piece about each emotion and how they kind of, they all come together. So each performer is really of the whole, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like this big time inside out, if you're familiar with the movie, on stage this idea of what it looks like and maybe even incorporating some language with the people so bringing in the acting is like maybe beforehand they each of the performers writes down stories from their life when they were feeling the Mm -hmm. key ones right joy Mm -hmm. sadness anger um disgust whatever it is and then maybe they even perform someone's performing the story and then the emotion is performed by someone else so that we're able to see what are we showing and then what's really happening underneath because how many times do we all put a mask on even if it's something simple like we get a phone call or we check our text and we're like damn it I wish I didn't text I wish I didn't check that I'm about to go into pitch or I'm about to go into teach or I'm about to go into speak and now my mind is with what happened with my kid or now my mind's happened with what happened with my partner or my parents or whatever. And we're putting the face on, but underneath there's this other emotion. And I just feel like it's so important to be able to, and the re- that's the reason I love art is because it, it transcends language. So whatever we do, whenever we do it, someone in Japan, in Russia and Germany in Israel could see it and they would get it. Hmm. They wouldn't need to know what someone's, they wouldn't need to speak the actual like fluent language. They would get the nonverbal human language. That's why it's so, I always say to people, I'm like, press mute. When you're watching something you love, press mute or turn it into a different quote, like a different language. And you will so get what's happening. If it's a good if it's a good actor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay. I'm 
re inspired, inspired again, excited again. I want to do this. We will do this. We will do this. Yes. I would like to thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're the one who does the interviewing. I'm not the one who's used to doing the interviewing. So it's, I think it's a little intimidating interviewing and interviewer. (laughs) I get it. I feel like I'm biased, but I feel like you did wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. And you deserve an A plus, but doesn't matter really in doctor. I mean, you're not doing it. You're not going this far for the grade. You're doing it because you love what you're doing. Why would you invest it otherwise? You know, I appreciate you saying that. I so hope that you enjoyed our conversation and more than anything, I hope it inspires you to reach out to a friend who you feel like you've known forever, but you may not really know their story. You may think you do, but hearing it from them in one sit down over a glass of wine or a cup of coffee may be very different. And it's so wonderful to be able to give them that time to really reflect and share with you in a way that you're just fully there for them and you're just curious about them. And Katie and I do that consistently in our own way. And each time we are so motivated and re-inspired and it may even give you like this internal spark of creativity that you can incorporate into whatever work you're doing in the world. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you are absolutely a heart-centered, purpose-driven leader. And the more that we can find ways to keep that inspiration alive and rooted, the better off the entire world is. Let's, Let's call it what it is. And also, I want to share with you that I'm going to be hosting a free one-hour workshop called Get Ahead of the Holidays this Tuesday, November 28th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. All the info is below for you to sign up, and then you get the link, and then you're good to go. It is the most generous gift that you can give yourself this holiday season and beyond because it is something that will help you move not just through the holidays, but into your life from a whole new perspective. The focus is on how to stop overthinking and start understanding your mind. The hour is going to fly by. You're going to get a recording of it after it's done. And we're going to be doing experiential exercises that are my all-time favorite, that are my client's all-time favorite, so that you can really anchor into yourself and learn what that feels like to be out of your head and into your life. It matters more than you know. You'll find all that info down below. If you have any questions, reach out to me without hesitation and we'll figure it out. And I hope to see you then. All right, take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the So To Speak podcast. If you found some insight or some useful nuggets in this episode, I want to hear about it. So make sure to connect with me on Instagram, on LinkedIn at Christy Mandor. Also go ahead and share it with anyone else you feel could benefit from the messages in this episode. And while you're at it, go ahead and throw up a rating and a review wherever you're listening in from, which helps significantly in other people learning about the podcast because it takes all of us to get ahead of our heads. I'll see you next week.